podcast from all your favorite ESPN Las Vegas shows at LVSportsNetwork.com. KWWN Las Vegas and KLAV Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, 5 o'clock hours here. John Montobel is in. It's Finley Toyota Studios. Damon is running the show. It's Steve Cofield. Big 5 o'clock hour on the way. Um, good amount of UNLV talk coming up. A little basketball news with the schedule for Kevin Kruger, and uh, we're going to check in, as we're doing every week, on a different room because so much of the roster for UNLV football has changed. So we're going to talk about the running back room with the running backs coach, Cornell Ford. That'll be up in about 30 minutes. But 5 o'clock, we start our frenzy. Let's do it. The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. So we start out with the Aces. Woo! Mm. That was nerve-wracking. Down 14 at one point. They wound up winning 89-82. So the run to 39-1 continues. Big games from the familiar faces. As Jackie Young, probably one of the more underrated players in the league because she doesn't get the attention of some of the other stars. 28, Asia Wilson, another double-double, 22 and 13. Chelsea Gray had 20. So impressive stuff. We'll see who can stop them. Although the Wings gave them a pretty good challenge. I didn't realize this happened until uh, I saw a couple of reports from the AP. You know, the Liberty got smashed when they came out here. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be the other dominant franchise, but they didn't really compete on that Thursday game or during that Thursday game with the Aces. And as it turns out, we have another story about travel woes. This is getting old, and I don't mean they ask for better travel, but my God, WNBA and really the NBA, get it together. These women are traveling forever. I mean, th- th- this one is completely absurd. The Associated Press traveled last week with the New York Liberty on their road trip from Connecticut to Las Vegas. It was two bus rides and two commercial flights. It totaled 13 hours of travel. And sometimes, you know, as you know, after flights, you're like, damn, I feel like, or my back. Just not feeling the way you want to feel before you play a game. I don't think we're asking anything crazy. We want to continue to be our best and realizing that all the prehab and rehab and lifting and stuff that we do for our bodies is just as equally as important as the way that we travel. So the reaction you get to that, the average male jabroni up on social media is like, the WNBA sucks and makes no money. Stop asking. And your babies. Because, uh, you know, back in the NBA before everything was chartered, the guys in the 70s, 80s, and before, they took commercial flights. All right, but it's not the 70s and 80s. And the NBA is making money hand over fist. Mm -hmm. And the WNBA is getting better TV deals. The league is doing better as a whole. I mean, think about that. Who in this room would tolerate a Las Vegas to, you know, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey area and take a 13-hour trip? That is stupid. I mean, airline travel has gotten much more difficult, and it is pricey, and there are some layovers sometimes. But most of us would be like, I'm not even making that trip. Right. You're, making, you're making the Liberty, one of the marquee teams in the league, travel 13 hours to get to Vegas. Mm-hmm. That is so rinky-dink. Yeah. And well, and the thing that kind of annoys you, so like, well, it doesn't make sense to me at least. So they allegedly allowed them. We got the report back in June, right? It was like, hey, they're going to allow charter flights. But then you literally look at it, and it's like, well, it's chartered flights uh, and back-to-back nights. Like that's really it. Like, just shell out the money. Yep. 
Because like you said, it, goes, it kind of goes back and ties into baseball. You're hurting your own product. Mm-hmm. When you don't let Ellie De La Cruz be him, you're hurting your product. And when you're telling your second best team, hey, take a 13-hour bus ride. And then yeah. the second best team, what if you get somebody who's like, you know what? I hear a lot about this Liberty team. Let me tune into this game today and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And after a 13-hour trip, they just get absolutely blasted. And they're like, well, I don't need to watch WNBA. If this is the second best team and this is all they have to offer, there's no need to watch. You're hurting yourself. Yeah, and also it goes back to some of these owners, they need to ask themselves, why are they owning WNBA teams? Because I feel like with a league like this, it shouldn't be, hey, to make money, to pinch pennies, to try to you know squeeze out that dollar amount because that's not what this league is. Steve, you just said it, where this is basically the NBA fronting most of the cost. So it should just be fork over the money. This league, as we know right now, it isn't bringing in any money. So if we know that they're not bringing in money, why are we treating them like, just go ahead and give them those expenditures that we know they deserve? Well, here's the thing on the individual owners. It's not their call. Because Mark Davis mm-hmm. would charter, and the MGM tried to do it when they owned the team. Mark Davis would have every flight for the Aces charter. Right? It's not, And it's not, hey, there's rich owners and poor owners. It's the league, right? which is the NBA. And not only are they making them travel like this, and then you get lousy performances – but what is their TV deal? The Liberty play on the road in Vegas, your two marquee teams, and it's not on a national broadcast? That wasn't on a national broadcast. Right. Do you want the league to succeed or not? I, I, you know, it's funny. Last hour we were talking about some weirdness from NBA fans who are getting annoyed with uh, Malika Andrews for asking real questions and covering real topics around the uh, NBA. Is there anyone who can interview Adam Silver about the WNBA and put his feet to the fire? Oh, I what, mean, what is the goal of the league? What are you doing here? The freaking the, the two marquee teams, one is going to go like 35 and 5. They play each other and you don't have that, that's not part of the package? Did the schedule come out a week ago? What is going on? And treat it like a big time sport or shut the freaking thing down. And remember they have this new TV deal that was this year, right, for the Friday night games? That was three years, $36 million, like average annual value of $13 million a year. It cost 25 apparently, total, to cover all of the chartered flights for the league in entirety for a season. All right, so shell out the other 12. Like, let's go. It's weird, man. I don't know, I don't know what the, the thought is behind it. And maybe Damian Lillard could cover it for three years all on his own. Nah. I mean, maybe the league is losing a lot more money on it than we realize. Like, we're, you know, we're fooled because of – the aces and how you know successful it is here, and they're drawing and doing well, and have marquee players. There are markets that don't don't really draw, you know, that are getting third, you know, three thousand, four thousand people at the games. So maybe it is a giant money loser, and we just haven't seen the numbers. But to your point, you like, you know what you're getting into with this. It's not going to be like overflowing with money. You have to build it. You got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Right. That's what they said. Well, they've been building for a long time, and they've made incremental gains in terms of treating the players with mm-hmm. a little more respect. And having fans turn out. So you mentioned Dame. I want to get to him in, in three minutes here. It's Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Getting ready for the summer league tomorrow. Buy your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. The openers at the Thomas and Mac. Damon is here, JVT. Damon with a good question. And I don't know if Damon realized what's he, what he's walking into here with a question and discussion on Christian Wood. Oh, oh boy. boy. Oh, boy. This show loves it some Chris Wood. We are crazy fans of Christian Wood. All right, I did it right then. I you said, did. you know, you nailed it. You nailed it. UNLV guy. 
Jason Kidd didn't know what he was doing with him. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, it goes back with Christian Wood to the fans' demeanor towards him mm-hmm. when he played here, which irked all of us. And then the glee that some Las Vegas fan showed when he was undrafted. Yep. And he was there all slumped over at his draft party. That sucked. That was a low point. And his success in the NBA has been one of the great stories. Right? Made tens of millions of dollars. All right, so now what? Where are we now with Christian Wood? How coveted is he? What's his market? Where's he going to go? Doesn't seem to be very coveted. What? Um, so right now, yeah, he's a unrestricted free agent. Mavericks don't really have any interest in doing it. He, it seems like reading up on some stuff, Chris Wood does have to look in the mirror a bit and ask, you know, what kind of a player he wants to be in terms of maybe some of the off the court stuff. Not even, and when I say off the court stuff, it's not like getting into things. Right. It's more of work ethic, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things you've heard about him. Some of the, the stuff he had been labeled with coming out yep. of UNLV. And he overcame it a little bit when he fought his way up to getting a contract. You know, he didn't make about $13.6 million last year. So, you know, he was worth something. So is this, a, is this a crossroads in a career like so many NBA players go through? Is there's massive money at the top. There's a middle class, and sometimes the middle class doesn't get the money, and he's going to have to play this year. I'm not saying this is terrible, but he, you know, he's got to play this year for $3, 4 $5 million. Yeah, I think that might be the case. Right. I mean, and when you look at it, too – it was a really weak – it says a lot about Chris Wood, I think, because it was a weak free agent class this year. And the fact that he doesn't garner really any interest or that the Mavericks, who needed bodies, weren't really interested ever in bringing him back, you got to ask some questions about why that's not the case. Because in today's NBA, be a six foot ten guy who can stretch the floor and score the way he can, you have value. So what good team is he a match for? I mean, I was if, – if you're looking around, I mean, teams that need some of these stretch four pieces like – especially if you're trying to fill out some of your roster. I mean, even like a, a youngish team, you know, like Charlotte, for example, if you've got the bodies there and you just need another piece on the roster that will fit with you offensively, Charlotte would make a really good case for it. You know, some of these other teams that might have some holes still left, Toronto, things of that nature, just filling in depth along the bench. I think there's a lot of teams that can use them. So, to mind your question was, is Christian Wood the best free agent available? I think John just answered. No. No. I mean, here's the problem. Like, So, free agents that are available right now. Will Barton, Christian Wood, Kelly Oubre, Dario Saric, Hamadou Diallo, Garrett Temple, Kendrick Nunn, Ish Smith, you know? It's not really great. So I guess you can make the argument he is just because there's not that many great (laughs) free agents left. Right. All right, so the latest with Dame. Has anything happened today? Is there any movement? Are we just in a stalemate here waiting for other teams to jump in to make this deal possible that Lillard gets to go to his destination, his preferred destination of Miami? Or are these two just going to play – a game of chicken and just wait it out. Uh, I think there's going to be some waiting. You also have to realize too, like so, like a team like Miami, uh, for certain players, like the rookies that they have, you have to wait till a certain date so you have to be able to trade them. So there's probably some of that too, where you're waiting for certain deadlines to pass so guys become available to be traded in certain deals, and that would probably be the case here for Miami. So that's probably what it is. It's also and good for the Portland Trailblazers if you like read a lot of the information out there that's or hear it. Portland Trailblazers are doing their due diligence, trying to get the most out of every single part, like person and party possible. They have a really good asset on their hands. So this whole thing about Damian Lillard trying to force his way to Miami with some underhanded tactics, I think the Trailblazers are doing a good job in saying, sorry, like we're searching around, man. And if the Jazz want to give us, you know, decent bounty of picks and young player two, we're doing it. Well, Amin Al-Hassan, who's on Levitard show, former NBA insider, for ESPN, worked in the league on Levitard, was talking about uh, his first worry is this management. 
with the Blazers that maybe they're not to be trusted because they haven't really been great in these times when deals were to be made? Joe Cronin, this is his first GM job, and I think his track record thus far has been someone who doesn't get great return on deals. They've drafted very well, but in terms of transactions, in terms of trades, in terms of free agent signings, they're not good at this. Okay. Okay. It's pretty pretty good. And this is the biggest deal of the guy's lifetime. Yeah. I mean, and to, to his point, so if people don't remember, there was a trade, and I think this is one of these referring to, the Clippers, the, they got Norm Powell from the Trailblazers. They got Norm Powell in a five-player deal. They got Norm Powell, Robert Covington. They sent Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second-round pick. None of those guys are playing for Portland. So, like, that's not yeah. really a great deal for yeah. two really good role players, one of which was Norm Powell, who was almost a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year and did a really good job for L.A. It's probably part of the reason. El Hassan goes on to talk about the, the other problem for the Blazers. They've been put in a really tough position here. Here's Levitard starting out this comment. How much better can you do than Tyler Hero? That's the problem because everyone knows your leverage. It's not about what Portland wants so much as it's what everybody else is offering. And if everyone else is, could say, hey, I want Jalen Brown in return well, Jalen Brown, or Jalen Brown caliber player, that guy's not available. No one's, no one's throwing that out there for Damian Lillard. There is going to have to be a third team, right? Depends on who it is. If it's Miami, yeah. Yeah. If it's Utah, you don't need to. They got plenty of assets. Is there any chance that he balks heavily and his agent flips out and he's like, no, nah, I'm not going there? I don't think so. I'm talking about Dame. Yeah, I don't think that would be the case. Now, his agent is reportedly calling other teams and telling them, if you trade for him, he's going to be unhappy, which I think is ridiculous. What a what a miserable move. And, I, and if I were – I mean, I don't like to speak for guys. I have no idea what he's gone through in Portland. He did show them a lot of loyalty and did give them a lot of time to build a team around him. They haven't, they haven't exactly nailed it. I just – this whole thing of starting to threaten people and you know basically screw management into the ground and with that the fans into the ground and force them to get almost no return come right. on like that's that's the part where I kind of like Damian Lillard's played this game where he's like look at me I'm staying in Portland I want to do it the right way I love this franchise you don't love them enough to just give them the open door to hey just trade me because you want what you want and I guess that's fine but you can't play it both ways and and by the way the other thing that he's doing. So Chris Haynes is reportedly, and he works for you know uh, Turner, Yahoo. He's really tapped into Damian Lillard's camp of what it seems. Haynes had a report. This is I don't even know if this is a report saying that players are watching the situation. I thought this was the dumbest thing. You guys talked about this on Monday that this is going to you know have uh, reverberations around the league. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it, and it, one one it's not, but two that's clearly a message from Damian Lillard's camp yep. to put that out there. That's an agent created deal. Correct. And and but like that's the the journalist part aside, right? With Haynes and like putting that out there for Damian Lillard, which is crazy, I think to me at least. But it's just again another one of these tactics where it's like on the surface, Dame's trying to put this whole man. I'm just I was trying to do the right thing, but behind the scenes, he's very clearly twisting the knife and going, "Get me to where I want to go, or else." And it's like, come on, man. Would you bet the Heat right now on a spec bet? Oh no. Why? They're nine to one to win the NBA Finals. That's oh, an abysmal number. They're minus 300 to land them. You're not getting anything anywhere. What was the peak they came out at? In, Do you remember? For the 2024 title. Oh, I, like right after the NBA Finals, I think they were about 12 to 1. Now it's 9. Yeah. And, and, and it's going to get shorter. And if they don't get them, you're just pissing away. Not, not that they have no shot with the current team to win a title. They, no, you know, but they made the finals. They, they but did. The, East, the East, if healthy, is going to be 
a bear next year for the Heat to make the sort of run they did this year. But also remember, they lost two starters in Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, who are both on different teams, right? And that's the other part about this whole thing, too, is if Damian Lillard goes to Miami, Tyler Hero's going to be gone because he's going to be part of a deal. Duncan Robinson's going to be gone because he's going to be part of a deal. Gabe Vincent left in free agency. Max Struess left in free agency. So you're going to look around and, like, I made this joke the other day. Love Mount West basketball, right? But Orlando Robinson, I don't know how big of a role player he's going to be no. for the Miami Heat but as I get, you move forward in the NBA season. I mean, Heat management and Heat fans could also fire it back at you and say, look what we did last year. So we were able to scrap it together. We have a great personnel department. You know, Riles and Spolster know what they're doing. We'll be fine. You were fine with those undrafted free agents, sure. You're really going to keep doing it? Do you think the probability is that you're just going to do it again with a bunch of fringe roster guys? 55 days? Trying to do the math in my head. 55 days until UNLV Rebels football has its opener. Wow. Are you ready? Uh, No. Okay. I will be, though. Have you been following at all? There's a lot that's been going on. Uh, yeah, I did Roster see- turnover. Oh. oh. Okay, never mind. What else? God. I was going to say, I saw Barry Odom was in Italy. Oh, is that right? I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw him on Twitter. He posted up uh, a picture of them outside the Coliseum. That's in Italy, right? Oh, wow. And he said something, I assume in Italian, saying, like, I love you or I love you, my wife, or something oh, wow. like that. Okay. Yeah, we're, uh, we're lucky enough to get a hold of some of the coaches because they are off this whole month. So Cornell Ford is going to join us as a running backs coach in just a couple minutes. I was uh, checking out the schedule because they open on September 2nd at the Al against Bryant. Then the next week they go to Michigan. But I was looking ahead because, you know, John, you have uh, – you do a little work with Learfield like I do, right? Mm-hmm. The carrier of UNLV Sports. And, you know, you did some sideline reporting. Uh, you and I both do engineering at times. You know, we, we set up the equipment if we have to. Um, you did color on some of the One basketball game, games, yeah. right? Um there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot more openings this year because they're uh, they're upping the amount of stuff they're doing with UNLV on Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network, so that's good. That's a real good thing. More exposure is a good thing. And I noticed that as we get to November and Thanksgiving, it's gonna be a little bit busy then. Okay. So the Running Rebel schedule is not out yet, but they have definitely beefed up. I think because they're confident in the team, and I'm gonna say this. I don't mean it like exactly. How I'm gonna say it. I'm sure there were some promises made when you're bringing in a guy like DJ Thomas who could play anywhere in the country. It's like, hey, we're going to get you into some venues and big-time opponents. And if it's at home, it's at home. But if it's on the road, that's where it's going to have to be. Their road schedule is going to be much different than it was a year ago, where their schedule last year, they really didn't go hit the road except for that SoCal Challenge where they got to play Minnesota. And they played Southern Illinois, which, by the way, the transfer portal, I don't know if you remember Southern Illinois, had a guy, Marcus DeMask, Mm -hmm. well – He's now with Illinois, so not going to get into hardcore college basketball talk yet, but uh, Coach Brad freaking loaded up with the Illini. Um, but that was one of the road trips, and then the only true road game, non-con, was San Diego. And San Diego was just terrible that night, and they, they could have beat them by 60. So this year, they're going to be at Dayton. They're going to be in Phoenix to take on St. Mary's in December. Uh, but one of the trips is going to be – at Pepperdine, that's a home and home. So they're going to go to Pepperdine this year in Malibu. Return visit should be next year or the year after. But that'll be on November 17th. November 18th, the football team is at Air Force. The basketball team on November 20th and 21st, if I have my dates right, Monday and Tuesday, are playing in a tournament in Daytona Beach. And I think they open against Colorado, and then they'll play the winner or loser of 
Richmond or Florida State. So a lot of travel there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, football at the end of that week will be hosting San Jose, and who knows what the game means. It's the final game of the season. Could be playing for a better bowl game. I mean, hey, if everything went wrong, could be, hey, let's salvage a win to get the three or four wins. I don't think that'll be the case. Could be the game they need to win to become bowl eligible. So, And they've they've been in that position against San Jose State uh, before. In fact, they had a spoiler game where they ruined it for San Jose State as uh, Brent Brennan was making his climb to finally get that program from one and two wins to a six-win season, and uh, Tony Sanchez's team screwed it up for him, and they went five and seven, didn't make the bowl game that year. So that week's going to be busy, and then, as I mentioned, they're going to be doing some traveling. Basketball, college basketball in town is going to be nuts. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think – I don't even think we did a great job of talking about the enormity of the event that is going to be here on November 6th, which is going to open the season for most of these teams – Bronny James is going to be playing his first college game in Las Vegas. Can't wait to go. My number one pick for 2024. That's going to be picked like maybe 20th. <laughs> but do you know how big all his games are going to be? And they're doing a lot of – they actually – USC comes back here again about a month later to take on Gonzaga mm-hmm. in Vegas. Uh, that same quadruple header has LSU women in town with Angel Reese and Mulkey, mm-hmm. which is funny. I It's a quadruple header, two women's games, two men's games – and I was reading uh, the Baton Rouge Advocate, I think it is, and they were saying in that quadruple header, the uh, Mulkey LSU squad was headlining the event. I'm like, LeBron's son is playing. It's kind of a big deal. Right. But that's a hell of a double dip. I assume the women are going in the afternoon and the men are going to play at night. That's cool. We're, we get to see Bronny James here in person. If you buy tickets or if I'm around, I'm going. That's awesome. It's going to be great to see him come off the bench. And it's another part of what's coming up in Vegas, just like event after event after event. We don't have all the details yet on what the – I guess we're going to find out on uh, – I don't even know what date it is right now. I guess it's tomorrow, right? Is that a – It's coming up on Friday or Saturday. No, Saturday, you're right. Talk about the NBA thing? Yep. Yeah. The NBA in-season tournament, we're going to get, I assume, most of the details. And their final four, their semis and finals, will be here. 7th and 9th. That's going to be great, too. I Look, I will say this. So, Vegas is awesome. We know it's growing. All these events are coming. I don't want to bring the mood down. This is why you didn't need the Oakland A's. That's why they don't uh, need don't, the don't. Oakland A's. Can you save this? Save this. Because I also want to tie it. We got, no, because we, we have, we have uh, the UNLV coach coming up. I definitely want to hit this, okay? It's been a long summer. Long summer. I'm kidding. It's been great. The weather's been great. Although, everything for you and I, John, is scheduled around football. We so look forward to it with what we do. And we both cover UNLV football. John worked the sidelines for a few games. I've been doing the sidelines for a while. I'm really excited about the new staff, looking at recruiting, excited about that, roster turnover. And we wanted to bring in the uh, running back coach from the Rebels. Cornell Ford is new to the city. This is a new staff. He's a Barry Odom guy, and he joins Steve and John here on this Thursday. How are you, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? Uh, Like I said, we're excited, man. We're excited. I know this is... I know this month is kind of when you guys get a little bit of time off, although you got to have someone around the program. Um, what is this month like for you, like the anticipation, but then also making sure that you rest a little bit, get some vacay, and then be all ready for August? Well, this, this you know, as you said, this is usually when we kind of get away a little bit, even though this, this particular week I'm in the, I'm in the office and we have each assistant has a duty week, but, it does give you a chance to get away, kind of clear your head a little bit, spend some time with the family before uh, 
before I tell the wife I see you in February. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wait, so like when you were scrolling through and you saw Coach Odom out there in Italy, were you like, ah, oh, come on, man, it's my week. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy you got away and you know spend some time with the family. It's always good. All right, well, tell us what it's been like in this short time uh, in Vegas. First of all, just kind of adjusting to the city. We'll get to the job part of it, but what do you think so far? And I don't know how familiar you uh, you were with uh, with Vegas uh, before you took the job. You know, I mean, probably like most people, uh, I had been here several times but never been to the campus, so I really didn't know much about uh, the, the the campus itself and the football program. Obviously, everybody knows about the basketball program when they you know in their in their, in their heyday. But um, but I've been to Vegas probably you know six, seven, eight times, and mostly spent most of my time on the strip. Uh, and there's so much more here. That's what I'm learning. There's so much more to Vegas than just the strip. As I tell most of the recruits, you know, most of the people that live in Vegas probably never go to the strip. They they kind of avoid it. They they, they drive around it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just learning so much more about the city. How many objections do you get from parents? Because that used to be a thing where, you know, parents are a little bit worried. Has that calmed down or you still got to kind of ease them into it and really describe Vegas? You know, I've had, a, I have had a, maybe probably two or three parents that have, that have asked questions about it. For the most part, they, they understand that we're, what we're building here is different, and bringing in a new culture, a new environment. Uh, but every parent, you know, when you talk about Vegas, obviously there's, there's the obvious. And, um, uh, but we, we pretty much try to clear that up as quick as we can. That's usually one of those questions you get early in the recruiting process. Is the growth of the city seeing, whether it's like, you know, cool things like the, uh, the sphere getting lit up the other day, everything that's being added to the town, does that help you when it comes to describing the town and making people feel comfortable? It, it does because, again, you talk about there's so many things that, that, are, that are great here that are, that are going on here in the city and Spears obviously, obviously because everybody in the country sees it uh, but not only that it's the sports mecca of the world and so we got all these you know, professional teams here basketball is probably going to be here in the next few years obviously the uh, the Formula One rest, rest racing and then the baseball I mean we just have so much going on it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really neat market to sell to recruits uh, and, and that the city, obviously, everybody knows about the city and how it how it how it um, how it explodes through the country. But uh, there's so much more that that we have here, and, and it's really neat to sell. I'm really I'm really excited about um, about the potential that's going on here. Camp opens up for the Rebels in early August. Season opener is September 2nd. Cornell Ford is on the horn with us. You can buy the tickets at UNLVTickets.com. Season tickets still available if you buy. Uh, and paying full before August, you get a uh, free uh, Yeti cup that is UNLV branded. So good reason to go up to UNLVTickets.com. Before we talk about personnel, I want to talk about the offense and the running back role in this offense. Because I went out to spring practice a bunch of times. And, man, I was watching. I'm like, I don't know who, who the hell has the ball. There's running backs all over the place. It's, it's, it's crazy. There's so much. There's, 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 it's like that whole we talk about um, eye discipline going against option teams. And I think you got to have eye discipline. Uh, going against his go-go, but what what kind of running back is needed to uh, make the go-go work? And every down back, you know, that's it, I mean, it, it ensures form. Um, that's what I tell the recruits. That's what we're looking for. We got to have a guy that can do it all. Uh, obviously, you got to be special with the ball in your hands, but you got to be able to block because we're in two-back system most of the time. 
Uh, and then you got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. So you got to be able to do it all and you got to be good at all three um, for us to be able to have this kind of success that we're looking for. So uh, when you say, you know, you, you never know where the backs are, it really puts a lot of stress on defenses uh, because, of, because of our alignments and our, our formations. Um, and it's really kind of unique. Uh, before I had gotten here, we'd never died, never been a part of some of the things that we're doing with our backs. From that perspective, it was, it's pretty neat. Uh, pretty cool to see, and, and uh, obviously puts a lot of stress on the defenses. You mentioned blocking. So what does that do for guys who are 5'8", 165, 5'8", 180, 5'9", 190? Or am I being kind of a um, – I don't even know how to describe it. I guess a uh, being anti-size, right? you got to be a big guy. Being narrow-minded. Do, yeah, I'm being narrow-minded. Can, can little guys thrive in this offense but also do the blocking? Yeah, I, absolutely you can. I mean, we just talk about fundamentals and – you know, getting in front of people and just keeping them active. And really, if you're doing it right and if the play is working efficiently, you don't have to block people for a long time. You just got to get in front of them, keep them from basically kind of boxing people out. Um, and I, I basically say, if you're going to get your ass kicked, get it, get it kicked slowly. You know, <laughs> uh, that's, it's kind of it's kind of one of those kind of deals. But we expect all of our guys to be physical. I don't care from our biggest guy to our smallest guy. They all got to be able to, to go in and be effective blockers. And so, um, and you know, for the most part, we're, we're getting that done. So let's talk about some of the holdovers because the room got changed up a lot. Aiden Robbins went off to uh, BYU. Some other veterans uh, decided to move on. Courtney Reese is back. What's the challenge for Courtney Reese, who is one of those guys who is 5'8 and 165? The challenge for him, though, this will be his third offense that he's running in. And I remember Marcus Arroyo talking about the changes, you know, from him uh, from Sanchez. and So what's the challenge for Reese in terms of learning another running style, another offense? Yeah, it's always tough you know, when, you're, when you're thrown into a new system, new terminology you have to learn, new formations, and obviously there's some things that, that he probably has to do that he hasn't had to do before, and that's the one's blocking. And, uh, and then we're putting a lot of on his plate as well with him being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, so that's tough anytime, but he's an experienced guy. Uh, so he's, he, you know, putting the time in, he's got to put the, uh, the time in the studying and getting in and watching video and, um, and learning the, the offense as much as possible. And I think some of the things that we're doing this summer with the guys gives him that ability so that by the time we get to week one, uh, he, he should know what's going on. He's had, he's had a great opportunity now. He's seen it in the spring, you know, all through spring ball and then as, we're working it right now, and we're basically starting the whole system all over again. So we just got done with the month of June, and we're going to crank it up and do all those reps all over again in July. So that by the time we get to August, uh, he's pretty much got the offense down. Tell the fans about some of the new guys in as transfers, veteran transfers. you got a bigger guy in Donovan Lester, and then you got another guy who's around that size of Courtney Reese and Vincent Davis who played at Pitt and is out of Florida. Yeah, well, well, Donovan's a, a big, physical, strong, fast guy, um, and he's been kind of in this system before. He's had some experience with uh, with Coach Marion, um, both him and and Vincent have, and so from that perspective, they've got a little edge on some of the guys. Uh, but Donnie's a big, physical, fast guy that can that can make a lot of plays. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's going to be really, really beneficial for us. Um, uh, Vincent is a little smaller, a little bit more of a scat back type guy. Um, again, can catch the ball. 
um, and had some experience with this with this offense. Probably not as fast as Donnie, but every bit as elusive and uh, should be really effective in this offense. All right, how hard is it for the freshmen to come in? You have you know a couple of highly touted dudes coming in from Atlanta, from Kansas City. How hard is the offense going to be for them to learn? And then, you know, the, obviously you get on the field if you can block. If you can't block as a young guy, you ain't going to play. Yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty true. But I guess, guess what? With all these guys, I've told them all the same thing. Hey, if you can't block, you can't play. So I don't, I don't care if he's a senior or he's a freshman. Yeah. If you ain't blocking, you ain't playing. That's, that's my motto. Um, now, the freshmen, it's always difficult for them because, you know, they've only been here for a few weeks, and we're cramming a lot in their, in their little, you know, melons and trying to get them to learn this thing as quickly as possible. And you got, basically, it's just trying to find out, is there one that's mature enough? He might not be quite up to snuff right now, but by August, can, he, can you see some potential where he might be able to, if he catches up, you know, can he go out and make some plays for us and be special with the ball in his hands? And obviously, you got to be tough enough to, you know, stick your face in and block the people. Um, and so that's kind of what we're finding out. Obviously, we're doing it right now without pads. Um, but you're just trying to figure out, is there one that's, that might be special enough that he might be able to get in the rotation? UNLV football kicking off on September 2nd. Bryant is in town. Then Michigan the next week. Camp opens up in about three weeks here in August. You can grab your tickets at UNLVtickets.com and Cornell Ford. The running back coach is with us here. Um, you've been coaching for a long time. You played the game. The game has changed in terms of roster building, uh, in terms of who you're coaching. Are you comfy yet with the way the game is now where you may, from year to year, have half of your room at your position maybe different? I mean, the challenge now to teach and teach quickly is way up there. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's college football these days. I mean, it's just the, that's just the way it is, and you know, you're going to have to deal with transfers and you got to get them caught up. And so hopefully you can find the guy that, one, is mature enough, two, is smart enough, because you've got to be able to come in and pick up things and pick up things fast. And then is he special and physical enough to be able to go out and play? And so that's all a part of the game. That, that, that has never changed and will never change. It's just a matter of finding a guy that's mature enough uh, that can come into your room and adapt to what you've already kind of established. That's the biggest thing. And then can, then can you trust the kid? And you got to be able to trust them fast, but hopefully in the recruiting process, you know, you can kind of find the right kind of guy that has the right DNA that you can bring into the room and he'll adapt fast. And hopefully if you do your work well, uh, you, can, you can, you know, find a guy. And we'll figure that out. Well, I think, I think we've got two guys that can come in and do that. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out. You really don't know until the bullets start flying. Yeah. So this is a big decision for all you guys who have, uh, you know, joined Odom staff. And I want to talk about Barry Odom here in a second. Um, you coached at Missouri. So – what are some of the Gary Pinkle principles? Uh, you know, tell people out in Vegas here what Gary Pinkle is like and what's to be learned from uh, you know a stint with Gary Pinkle. Wow. Well, coaches, Coach Pinkle was kind of the the guy that gave me my start um, as a grad assistant, and then and then as a full time coach, and and then I was probably with him probably longer than most of the guys that that were there with him. Um, you know, I coached fifteen years with him in Missouri, and another. Know, uh, seven at Toledo, so I, we spent a lot of time together. Um, just attention to detail, um, tough, get after it, be a six-second player. Um, those are the qualities that we're looking for, and you know that's why he's a Hall of Fame coach because he was able to, to go into programs that probably didn't have a lot of success before he got there and turned them around, and he did that at Toledo. I remember when I first interviewed with him as a grad assistant, he told me the story of Don James and how Don James started at Kent State 
took a program from Kent State, won Kent State's probably only championship in the MAC, and then took that same program to Washington, turned that program around, and they won a national championship there, won a lot of big, I mean, Pac-12, Pac-10 back in those days, championships. And then Gary Pinkle took that program and took it to Toledo, had success, won a championship, and then we went to Missouri and had played in a lot of championship games there as well. So it was a proven winner. And all you got to do is stick to the system and have a standard and make players live up to that standard. And if you can do that, you can be successful. I'm going to draw a, a parallel in terms of recruiting, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, from Missouri to UNLV. I know a lot of people who went to Missouri and you know media who follow Missouri football, and it always seems like Missouri is kind of – there's that wish that, hey, we got to get the guys to stay home. you got St. Louis, you got all these fertile grounds. you got to get them to stay home. And it sounded like Barry Odom came in here to UNLV, and they're like, we – we have to build with some local guys. And I know you can't comment on 2024 commits, but uh, I think you already have four or five. Like, How important is that to – yeah, you're going to canvas all these areas of the country, especially Texas, but how important is it to make the inroads with local commits? It's extremely important. It's a, I mean, if you ever, ever want to have any sustained success, You've got to be able to win in your backyard. And you're not going to win all of them. You're never going to do that. You know, even when we were at Missouri, we knew we weren't going to win every single kid. But if you get the majority of the guys and you get the majority of the right guys, you can turn your program around. And that's where it starts at first. And it starts by just going in and building a relationship with high school coaches. And they see you in the building. Kids see you in the building. You just want to show them that you want them and you want them to be a part of the program, even if they don't have a player. They might not have a player this year. They might not have a player next year. But two, three years down the road, they got somebody. And because you built a relationship with them and they trust you, they trust you, and they see a product that's on the field, then they say, yeah, I think this is the place I can send my kids. And then all kids, all parents want to be a part of that. And what's, what's easier, going down the road 20, 30 minutes, you know, to go see the kid play, or going down the road, you know, four, five, six, seven hours, or or longer, you know, having to fly somewhere to go see your kids play. Um, I think anytime you can build those kind of relationships, you're going to have some success in your program. Coach, we appreciate it. We know this is a slower time, and I know you're working this week, so uh, thank you for stepping up. And when you do get some time off, enjoy it, and we'll see you in about three weeks. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Let's get after it. There you go. Rebels. Cornell Ford, running back coach for UNLV. I find the local recruiting thing completely fascinating because I started to chart – uh, what they've done. So they've got 15 or 16 commits already for 2024, which is insane by UNLV football standards. It's the beginning of July. It's next year's class. So those numbers are boffo. You know, I was looking back at, at Arroyo, and I just think that he and the staff, I'm going to say him, um, kind of made a decision that, hey, it's going to take a while to to win over the locals. And a lot of people complained about the effort they made. And they built it with transfer portal guys. And then, you know, a lot of Texas, a lot of California, kind of the, the areas that he had recruited in. Well, you look back now, um, don't worry about 2020 because it was such a screwy year. I think 2021, they got one local. 2022, they got two. Uh, that was Jaden Mayava and uh, I think Noah McKinney. I'm, I'm, I'm going back a year. But they got, I think by years, it was one, two, and one. I mean, you got to get some players locally because then the – as Coach Ford just said, there's a pipeline that gets built. Right. So you, and and sometimes, guess what? I'm not saying waste spots on your roster, but you. That's still- rather than get a and I'm I don't like the star system. I think it's stupid. But rather than get a two star from 
wherever it is, Texas or, you know, somewhere else in California, build some equity locally. And it didn't seem like they wanted to do that. And these guys have hit the ground running and he can't comment on it. But uh, they just got Greg Burrell, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, from Desert Pines. Good size back at like 61205. Um, CSU was on him. Uh, BYU was on him. Reno was on him. So that was a good commit. That's for 2024. They got a kid, Devin Green, from Sacramento. He had three Pac-12 offers, uh, some other good Mountain West programs. So um, I, it's, it is, it's a tricky game, John. You know that. Oh. When you're coming into a market and a lot, a lot of people are like, UNLV football sucks. I don't like how the previous coach did this. Like, I wonder, you're going in and you're like, you're trying to develop a relationship, but then you got to listen to the problems of the past. Well, and that's why it was interesting hearing him because you referenced it too. You just want to show that you have a presence there. But to your, your, what you're referring to is, too, you don't want to just go recruit for recruiting's sake to just sit there and try to appease some people because yeah. you want to build your roster the right way. You don't want to just grab kids just to do it. I, the balance that they have to strike is pretty fascinating given these situations and sins of the past that you're mentioning from other regimes. Nickelback is in town. T-Mobile, July 15th. T-Mobile, AXS.com. Tickets are on sale. We've got two tickets right now. A special guest is Brantley Gilbert, but Nickelback is here. We've got two tickets. Damon's going to hook you up. Caller 7364-1100. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So look for some videos and uh, some audio files, tweets. I, you know what? I can't even keep up where we're posting all this stuff. It's crazy. The uh, digital crew is doing a great job blanketing all these spots. Um, that was Cornell Ford, running back coach from UNLV. We're going to talk to a coach every week up until the beginning of the season. And then, you know, we put out a bunch of videos from practice. and So look for that. Uh, Damon, you had a question, but we didn't squeeze it in. I apologize. What were you going to ask about? Oh, just I remember talking to Joey McGuire, the head coach from Texas Tech, and he said, hey, if you want to impress me as a lineman, send me a video of you dunking. So right. I just wanted to ask, is there a skill set that maybe is not on the football field that translates to running backs? And he's like, hey, that's a running back that I want. I might remember that a month from now. I might. No pressure. No, I'm, I know. No pressure. Uh, we were actually talking about the offensive line because they're going to – they're really – they have kind of an open challenge for the tackle positions. Uh, Marcus Miller and Tiger Shanks were in the lead, I think in the uh, spring but yeah they got to rebuild the offensive line big time and to your point like athleticism and footwork and also talk to any football coach it doesn't six seven guy with like alligator arms t-rex arms yeah. no good short guy with long arms has a chance i think i have short arms for i've somebody always wanted my size. <laughs> yeah i've always wanted i've never done the uh the, the measurement on that yeah. one yeah i always do i like to do the uh what is it the reach the reach measurement's always fun yeah. Put your hand to the, to the chin to see if we socked each other at the same time. Yeah. Who would reach first? Who are you hanging out with? I do it with my wife, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Please tell me she has a longer reach than you. She does. At like 4'11. <laughs> right. I'm like, see, this is what would happen if we punched each other at the same yeah, time. My, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite discussions on the measurables is the quarterbacks and their hands. I oh, love yeah. that every year. It's useless. And then you just like, you know, you do the hand measurement, and it's the dumbest hand measurement because it's just about a right? flexibility. Yeah, it's from the end of your pinky across right. your palm to your thumb. So if you can go flat, you know, on right. a table, then you're like, oh, I have massive hands. It doesn't mean you have massive hands. Like Adam Hill has no flexibility on his freaking, you know, whatever it is. Meat mittens? They are meat mittens, like big hams. So you can't stretch it out. I'm like, yeah, hey, your hands are no bigger than mine, and you're 6'3". What do you think the running back skill would be? Like really good at pool. He's like, if I get a running back that's really good at pool. <laughs> 
man, I saw that guy shooting pool. <laughs> that Unbelievable, that, the hand-eye. You know, it's like yeah. it's like running in the go-go off. I don't think that. Uh, that's not what he would have said. Not at all. All right, well, thanks to Cornell Ford for popping on. Carmichael Dave was on earlier in the show. ESPN's Kevin Winter. And, of course, one of our regulars, Xavier Pope. Again, we're putting out a lot more videos up on all the social media platforms, even threads. I'm excited, but, my God, another platform. Thanks, Damon.